Hi everyone and welcome to episode 238 of the Mighty Whites podcast. I'm Jack, as always, joined by KC. Hello. How's things, mate? Yeah, not bad, how are you? Yeah, really good. Uh, I had that that loveliest of things today, a day off where I just had my daughter all day. It was really nice. Um, oh, that it wasn't was, sarcasm. <laughs> no, it was a very, very stress-free, nice day. A bit like a, a Saturday 12.30 kickoff was against Huddersfield. Yeah. Solid. Never in doubt. Yeah, we don't get many of them. Like no, unfortunately, um, in, in recent memories as well, the, the times when we've got ahead early, even those have not been uh, the easiest of watches. Uh, Reed Bournemouth last year, but um, no, very comfortable. I know, I know, you kind of going into um, into these games, you always think something could be, you know, something could happen out of the ordinary, but. Um, there was uh, little to no resistance from from the dog botherers. Yeah, I think really, if we'd have been speaking to more non-Leeds fans before the game, I think it probably went exactly how everyone expected. It's just we're such a pessimistic fan base. But you start talking yourself into, well, it's Leeds, we find ways to do it. But there's a reason we were like one to four before the game. And it was just staggeringly comfortable. I mean, that second half, I think, was it was actually a problem how comfortable it was because normally you'd go, well, you funnel up at half time, maybe we'll drop into first gear, whereas we actually managed to drop into neutral. Yeah, so fortunately, it was a, a slight gradient, so we did coast downhill. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was, I think it's one of those things that you, you kind of have to take into consideration with. Uh, with squad management at this point is that yes, it it would have been great for us to go and get seven because I think we could have done, mm. um, but it was very much a cons- you know save your legs. We'll start bringing players off that that probably need a break and uh, yeah, I mean you look at the amount of times we were breaking out with sort of Somerville. Piro, Ruter and, and Dan James and the amount of times you'd just see three of them just sprinting forward as fast as they could yeah. on the counter-attack and I don't remember that happening in the second half No, we definitely is. It looked instructed, didn't it? We'll save your legs, lads We've had three games in a week and we'll have a late game Wednesday and with the early one Saturday Yeah just Save your legs but All right, we will right just Jürgen Klopp, calm down Literally, the about the second half Yeah, Melier dropped a bollock If you're going to drop a bollock, do it at 4-0 up um, then just we'll just talk about the first half. I mean, Leeds were from the absolute first second completely in control. Um, we early on because uh, it was at nil nil, the Perot disallowed goal, wasn't it? For offside, yeah, which I'd almost forgotten about to be honest because you don't think about them when it doesn't matter. But uh, Leeds took the lead with a really good break. Huddersfield have a long throw, throw it into the box, headed out. Uh, Rutter picks out a really nice little ball over the top for Somerville. Somerville runs plus like sixty-five yards unchallenged. Yeah, uh, just nothing there. Gives it to Dan James, and we are seeing the difference with Dan James that a bit of confidence seems to have done because Leeds were three v two, and that wasn't the ball I think most people in the stadium wanted him to play. But James just takes it out of his feet, twenty odd yards out, and just batters it into the bottom corner. Yeah, it's, it's a really confident finish from James as well. You know, you, you're talking 20, 22, 23 yards out. It's mm. it, it's just really not... I, I just expect at this point Dan James to just absolutely leather it as hard as he can and it go anywhere. But it was a really nice inside of the foot finish of curling it into the corner. Because, um, mm. yeah, I think there's a lot of people who would look at that situation and, and think, ah, oh, not Dan James. Um but he, he took it so well. Mm. I, I did, and to be fair, at this point, I'm really happy for him because he's this. This is the best he has played probably since he left Swansea. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose you could. Argue, I don't remember all the details of the performances, but he did actually start like a house on fire for Scum. He, he like he scored in his debut, and he, mm. but it didn't last all that long. But yeah, the, that was 
really good. The second goal, um, it's all about Somerville. Pillow plays it out to him on the left, and he just stands his man up, does like four or five step overs where you know the ones where you don't touch the ball and you still beat the man. Yeah, just completely sets him off, cuts inside, and hits an admittedly quite weak shot. But it still uh, trickles in past the keeper, who's a little bit unsighted. It reminded me a lot of Furpo's goal against Southampton last season, where he just didn't catch it, but because it went through legs and everything, it still creeps it. Yeah, there's. I think it's the the, the centre back that really does it for the keeper. Um, it's it's that glorious moment as well as when you watch it back of the defender trying to close his legs in time. Yeah, and just just can't. Um, he he is just someone I could watch all day at the moment. You know, you know when you're watching someone who's just loving their football, yeah, um, having a great time with with um, the the one person who uh, still wants to do dances with uh, Willie Nonto. Yeah, I finally <laughs> because Ava's been in such a good mood today. I did actually have time to play maybe an hour's worth of the new FM today, and it's disappointing how not great some of them is. It's quick, but they haven't. I reg- at this rate, the January update is going to be interesting for him because <laughs> he's yeah. uh, he's looking unbelievable. The uh, the third goal, which I think was probably my favourite of them. Really, even though there was there was flagging things in the other, but some of them breaks through again. And you see Dan James running alongside him and he's running quick, and then he just puts the afterburners on and just fucks off past the defenders. Weight on the pass is perfect. But the reason I love it is that this fit the there was way more power, it was probably more difficult. James's first goal, but this was one-on-one calm, perfectly in the corner. It was like it wasn't just that it was a good finish, it was a perfect finish. It went in the exact spot that it should go. And where we were in the ground, you would directly behind it. I thought it was I thought it was a I think it's been underrated how good a finish it was. Yeah, again, it was just deadly watching those go forward like that on the break. Um and again, Dan James. It was quite nice to see him receive it in a similar position. Probably, you know, probably three, four yards closer to goal. Um, keeper comes out and he just calmly just gets it over the top of him and into the far corner this time. Um, and and I, I think ultimately, even from the start of this season, it's really nice to see that sort of composure where. He, when he's taking that touch, I, I now have the belief, like, oh no, he, he's got this. Yeah, he's never, he's still never going to be the best technical player there, but he just, he looks so much better for playing every week and getting confidence. And he's basically managed to get himself to where, other than fitness concerns, he's basically undroppable at the minute, James. And when you consider the options we have for wingers, that's really saying something. Yeah, because, you know, I, I don't think the talk at the start of the season was ever where Dan James, you know, Dan James and another playing wide. It was always, well, it'll be Nonto and Somerville. Well, let's be honest. It, well, was, Nonto, people, it was Nonto and Sinistera. Nonto and Sinistera, yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think when he came into the team with the the absences for for varying reasons and injuries um you know you know i think back to the birmingham game away where it was classic dan james of oh, he's got the you know he's got the last thing's gone wrong but my god he's fast mm. and like like you say that the fact he's playing week in week out now he's it is really really helping him out as well you know you can see his confidence is there yeah um and his, his decision making is is greatly improved at this point. Uh, to the to the point where you look at someone like Nonto on the bench and you just think, well, no, you'll have to stay there. Yeah, well, I mean, Nonto came on in the second half and it, it wasn't terrible or anything, but it came into a flat game and was flat with the rest of them. Yeah, you're not going to work your inside doing that. 
And uh, just on the stroke of how time leads made it for, uh, Rutter plays a little one-two with, if I remember rightly, it will have been with Sam Byron. Knocks it down the line, has the beating of, I believe that one was Tom Edwards again, who had the sort of half where you... It's hard to recover from that one. It was every bit of a 2 out of 10 performance. Because it's it's like getting a 10 out of 10. It's very difficult to get a 10. It's really difficult to get a 1. And <laughs> it was a 2. Uh, well, it drives into the box, pulls it back for Somerville. And Somerville... Remember that thing that I said about uh, Sarah's goal for Norwich? Where you're there going, yeah, it's brilliant feet, but there's, there is players around and no one's actually going to try and win the ball. Well, this was the Leeds version. I just said, oh, great feet, Somerville, fantastic finish. Then I watched it back and there was players there and none of them actually closed the ball down at all. The closest one to closing him down is Dan James, who has to jump out the way. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> yeah Somerville, in this case, not only has to contend with five defenders in the box, but he's got to contend with his own man, who's just sort of going, ah, oh, yeah. help. Um, I, and I was very glad that Rutter got the assist for this because it was about the fourth time he'd got in down the left by beating his man and put a good ball in. I mean, Somerville should have scored a, like five minutes earlier from basically the same move. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like saying the build-up as well. It was it was just that little flick from Byron back into it. And he just plays that inside of the football, just six, seven yards, just six <laughs> seven yards down the line. And again, I've spoke about players like this before, but those players who don't look quick, they just but they just effortlessly glide past people. Mm. And that's all he did. He just he just went. And you could see that there was no chance of catching him. Um, you know, if it was Steve Austin at right back, he'd just be like, help, help. Um, yeah. You know, there, there was so little he could do about it. And... The, 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 again, going into half time, you just thought, God, we've got another half of this yet. And I'm sure they were relieved as anything. And I know they made the changes, but they must have been so relieved to, to 10 minutes in when they get again. Oh, thank God, Leeds have eased off. Well, I mean, it's not even because we won so easy, it doesn't really matter so much. But like, Huddersfield should have probably been down to 10 men as well. There was that bad tackle, and uh, was it, oh, I'm trying to remember which. And it was a Jonathan Hogg, I think, who was on a yellow and made like the most blatant second yellow tackle. And they just let it go. And it, it, could, it is one of them games where on a different day, in a different situation, it could have been eight. Yeah, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's unfair at all to to think that they in the first half, again, co- completely reasonably playing away from home, they set up with a four-five-one or five-four-one, whichever, whichever at times they seem to. Yeah, I would say I would say it was five-four-one. There, there was a, I think that there was a brief couple of minutes where they thought about being in a four, but they very quickly were in a five. <laughs> and 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 again, you know, it's kind of shown this season. If you come to Ellen Road and, and you sit deep and you and you you are organised, you you can frustrate them. But it didn't work at all. You know, there the, the didn't seem to be. At no point did it did it ever look particularly crowded in the middle, or as if yeah, Ruth Aaron Piro. Yeah, and and you're talking about having you know your three centre backs and your two centre mids who should be packing that middle area. Um, and and I suppose if if you're of the pessimistic view you'd think well there's a reason Piro was dropping so deep but he was just getting so much time on the ball when he when he came into that area yeah and, I thought for, for I a didn't... game where he wasn't as involved in like the key incidents I mean he did set up some of those goals but it was an individual goal really hmm. I thought Piro was a lot better in this game like I thought there was a stat going around that I saw afterwards that he touched the ball like more than he has in any other Leeds appearance and I can buy that. He was really getting it a lot more involved than he did in previous games. Yeah. Um, but he was still, you know, massively outshined by the rest of the front four. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was quite odd because the, the, there were times when you were seeing him, I don't know, he's the, the deeper of 
the two. But he was picking it up inside our half at times. It was but basically was... alongside Ampadu for yeah. some at some points. But he just had that much time to put his foot on the ball and 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 turn and pick out a pass. Um I mean the build up to the is it the second Somerville goal? Is is it twenty nine passes or yeah, something it's a like lot, that? Yeah, it's the... a lot of passes. And and again, I, I fully appreciate a defensive the defensive tactic where you go like, fine, have it across your back line, you know. It, but we were passing into their half, and there was still very little resistance. And then, and then by the time you're into the, the final third, it took. It took Rooted to take one touch to get it out of his feet, yeah. and we found the space. You know, yeah. it wasn't as if, you know, a lot of a lot of teams have sort of come in and, and packed sort of the width of the penalty area and to go, yeah, have it out wide, grand, more power to you. But no, there was just space seemingly everywhere. Well, I think that's why the Huddersfield fan. I mean, they they also it was you know fully gallows humor and just. Real when you know when you know you shit you know you shit. Um, but yeah, they, they should they, write, they should sing a song about that. I can understand why they were so pissed off at Darren Moore in that game. I quite like Darren Moore, but that was a bad example. That was a really bad example because obviously he set him up in a very defensive shape, but they also were over committing going forward. Like yeah, pick a lane, do <laughs> do one or the other. So that that's what I mean. We looked. We looked absolutely devastating on the counter-attack, and we are good on the counter-attack. But they made it look like we were... On the counter-attack, we looked like an absolutely top-level side against them because they just made it so easy. It's... Um, I know it never goes along without ever mentioning his name again, but it's... Uh, in terms of the counter-attacking stuff, it's the closest thing to Bielsa we've had in a while as well, isn't it? And just in terms of... Right, we've got it. Everyone bomb forward. Off you yeah, go, lads. There was a bit of that. And just the pace that Lutter, Somerville and James break at. It's oh, going to be very hard to deal with. And I'm hoping that that's something we can make use of because I think we're going to need that if we're going to get out on Friday. Other, other than the goal itself that we conceded that's just a Melier fuck-up, it happens. I don't think yeah. there's say that second half. The, there is... I, I suppose I suppose the other the main thing would be the reception to Patrick Bamford coming on. Yeah, which was mostly great. It 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 was really disappointing but, to hear what South right and you we were both in the ground. As far as I could tell, it was the South stand. Yes, it it, it definitely seems to be concentrated to a to I a am fairly sure small that there area. Were, I am sure that there were people in other areas of the ground that booed Bamford when he came on as well. There will have been some, but in terms of what you could hear, it came from the South Stand. Yeah, and and I look, I I appreciate that that there is a nuanced discussion to well, I pay a ticket and I have the right to to, to you know react how I want to a player, but there is also something very backwards about we did not boo the guy who refused to play for us. And threatened to try and walk out as much as he could. I mean, could. They, they they did boo Nonto. Nonto got a bit lucky that his first like was it two games were away. Mm. But but again, we, we that that has stopped very quickly. But the guy who has been part of the promotion winning team was leading scorer for the club, and, and has done nothing but give a hundred percent for this this team is is getting that sort of reaction and and yeah it was frustrating that he took that penalty we all knew it but i i don't understand anyone who boos someone who has been nothing but committed to this team yeah like that, i said that, that thing you pay your money you get the right to do it i actually agree you, they have the right to boo him i have the right to say you're a fucking moron Hmm. Like you know, I think it's fair enough. It, there, there is a huge difference between like the likes of missing a penalty or just not playing well, or even the fucking cupping your ears that he's done a few times. And a cup, one of the times he did it, I was like, "Oh fuck off, Patrick!" <laughs> you know, it was it was a bit stupid, but there's no need for the booing him. And I did like that the, the way that the crowd reacted to those boos was to just sing his name louder. There's no bollocks to that. That's that's not how we treat it. And like, <laughs> I, 
I don't know if that's how you can treat any of those players that, that were part of that team that, that took us up. You they'd, know, have to do, they'd have to do something a lot worse than missing a penalty. I, I mean, look, I, I am not looking to blame anyone here. But Luke Ayling is playing far worse than <laughs> yeah. Patrick Bamford has done. And I'd be horrified if someone started booing him. Yeah. You know, and, and that's... I, I feel bad saying it, but... You know, it's... I, I, and ultimately, it comes back to the thing of what good does it do? I don't, it does no one any good. Because right. because clearly, Bamford as well is, is a player who I think is affected by... Um, by the reception he gets at mm. times, and and is a confidence player, and that is that isn't going to help. Missing penalties isn't going to help either. But mm. yeah, because Bamford picking that ball up, you'd say, oh, it's a sign of confidence. But I think it's a sign of faux confidence. I, I admire a, it. Pretending to be confident. In so many ways, I admire the self belief. You see, but, I don't think he had the self-belief. I think he was pretending to have the self-belief. It's like, if I, if I pretend to believe and then I score, then I will believe. I can't remember who it was that put it on Twitter, but they were right. They were like, once he picks that ball up, it, you can't really take it off him. Because either, he, if he doesn't want the penalty, you don't want your striker to not want the penalty. Like, that's no good. So, <laughs> and he was like, basically just saying that, once he picks it up, you can't walk over and take it off him because you're basically saying we have no faith in you. Like he, he, it was the second he picked that ball up, we were fucked. <laughs> I, yeah, I think your last hope is that they're doing that thing of, oh, he's picked the ball up. Oh, he's he's handing it over to someone else at the last minute because and the, you know they're going to let the opposition wind him up and then then give it to Somerville. Um, but. No, I'd, you know, like I say, it, it was... It was... Yeah, Bad for picking the ball up is saying, oh, yes, this is going to make everything all okay again. Yeah, that's what I think it was. But the <laughs> thing is, I, I, I want him to pick the ball up but I, because I want him to feel that way. But I also don't want him to pick the ball up because I have no faith in him to take a penalty. I was hoping we would get one at 4-0 up against Huddersfield, when he, or 4-1, whatever it was, when he came on. Because at that score... I think it's probably worth letting him take it because the downside if he misses it is almost it's it's bad for his confidence, but his confidence is already shot. I think the potential <laughs> upside of him scoring would have been worth it. But at nil nil, no. <laughs> yeah. So but yeah, like I say, it was very nice to see the the reaction from the rest of the ground to to that. To and like you say, outside of the goal and that. Did anything else happen in that half? Not really. I mean, we there was some attacks and stuff, but it was it was such a pedestrian game. Like genuinely, I was rushing about like hell on Saturday. I had so many things to do, and after a game, my dad did say to me, "Well, I know we would never leave early because we never leave early." But he said we should have just we could have just got over half time here and made everyone's day easier. Yeah, <laughs> we'd have all we'd have all had an extra hour or so to our lives, and um. You know, it's it, to be fair, the, the, it was quite nice of Leeds to give people the chance to just remember where their cars parked and think about other plans for the weekend, the meaning of life. You know, that time for that sort of thing. Yeah, the only thing that I wanted to even mention was Huddersfield Town player Delano Bergzog has a fantastic name. <laughs> Delano Bergzog, yes, fantastic. I don't care if he's any good or not. He should be good. That's a good name. <laughs> um, so on to uh, Leeds' away trip to HMS Piss for League. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Friday night, Leicester away. They're really, really good. They've played 14 games, they've won 13 of them and lost to Hull in a game that they apparently should have walked. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the positive is they they only beat QPR two one on uh, on Saturday, and that was after a red card as well. Um, yeah. But uh, looking at the stats, literally they had eighty percent possession. Yeah, eighty is a lot, isn't it? So <laughs> eight hundred and twenty seven passes to two hundred and nine. 
And that's with 92% pass accuracy. Yeah. I'll tell you what, they've dominated that. And I know they've, I know they've played uh, the last half hour with 10 men QPR. But to get those sorts of numbers, it can't have been far off that before. No, and I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go back right through all the games, but like they've also kept free, is it free clean sheets and that. Yeah, like they've, uh, uh, their last three home games are three nil, two nil, and one nil against Preston, Stoke, and Sunderland. None of whom are bad sides. Yeah, um, they've conceded three goals at home this season. Yeah, um, they've just got a really good squad. Enzo Maresca has, you know, been rated as a good coach for a long time. Uh, and you just you don't know if it's gonna translate and it appears it has um like because he he did like some bad jobs didn't he a while ago mm. in italy but didn't work at all but it's working now so fair enough yeah they i know they lost some quality players but the the fact they they were able to keep Dewsbury hall in there mm. um you got James Justin in there as well. You've got a, a decent, but I know last season we were probably talking about Vestergaard's probably not up to the Premier League, but in the Championship. I, I still, we'll come on to it a bit more probably when we're talking about how the game will go, but I still think looking at their team, but Vestergaard's probably their weak link. Yeah. But, that, but in the Championship, is a good defender. It, it, it probably isn't very And again, player. again, there was always the questions about Connor Cody playing as a, you know, playing in a back two. But again, in the championship, I'm not as concerned yeah. about that as. Well, it's so weird because in possession, like the, it is a four-three-three on paper, but when they're in possession, it isn't. Uh, James Justin, will, it'll probably be James Justin at right back. Will tuck inside into a three. Ricardo Pereira goes from left back into the middle of midfield with Harry Winks. So you're basically three-two, and then you. I'm I'm loath to even say four-one. It's basically five. Yeah, it's basically a three-two-five build-up, and like when you look at that set of players, like for this game, because uh, like indeed he's injured, so he won't play. But you've probably got four of uh, that Cesare Casadei, who I really wanted us to get on loan from Chelsea. He looks really good. Kane and Jusbury Hall, who is is in the conversation for best player in the league. Uh, Stefan Mavadidi is a good winger. That Fatawu is good according to what everyone said. I haven't seen much of him, to be fair. And Casey McAteer, the young lad, looks really good. And then they've got, like, Dennis Pretz still there as well, I think, even though I don't think he'll play. They uh... So they've got a lot of options floating around behind. There's that Marcel as well, but I don't know as much about him. And then for up front, they're probably going to have Ian Acho. With Vardy coming off the bench with 20 minutes left, half an hour. And Patson Decker's still there. Yeah, me and uh, uh me and friend of the podcast, Alex Benison, were discussing him earlier tonight, where you they're going, he he moved from a Champions League club to join these and thought, right, I, I can understand him behind Jamie Vardy. You know, he's 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 at his peak, he's he's probably running it down a little bit, and I'll probably start getting in the team in a year or two. And now he's in the championship. <laughs> Yeah, well, in theory, you know, it was a pacey striker who's really good at running in behind and is a top class finisher. But he's a bit bigger than Vardy and probably slightly better in the air because of it. Mm. It made all the sense in the world as a Vardy replacement. Yeah, and it just didn't happen. I mean, he's got four goals in the Europa League game for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, so in possession they end up with that build-up structure, so they're going to be really. Obviously, they keep the ball really well. They've also got loads of options in the final third. Um, so I think Ampadu is going to have to be deep in this game a lot to help out, both when we have the ball and out of possession, because he's going to have to chase back with someone, probably Dewsbury Hall. Uh, but also, when they press, they press hard and aggressively. And from everything I've read and from a quick listen to a couple of other things, they've been pressing with a front two normally. So if they're going to press on to Rodon and Strauch, 
can't probably Kamara and Ampadu, they're going to have to be really involved around if we're going to try and play his way out. And I basically think we need to not be afraid of hitting long balls into the channels in this game and letting Somerville and James get after it or Rutter. I don't think he's going to do it. Or you play Bamford instead of Pirro and it gives you an outlet. Yeah, I'd... I, I, one of the big concerns as well is, and, and obviously we're doing this, um, we, we've not had any team news today, have we? Uh, press conference today, they were worried about Roden, Byram and Somerville, but all should be fine. Yeah, I think I think for me, Roden was no probably... No one's back. Yeah. Um, I think Roden, for me, was, prob- was probably the biggest concern. Um, just given off what I've seen from him this season, it's, it's probably not the game I want Liam Cooper coming into having not played a lot of football. Yeah, um, he, he wouldn't have done this. He would have played Cooper. But if Rodan isn't fit, I would play Cresswell. Yeah, it's probably what I would have wanted to happen as well. If, if Stroud gets injured, I'd play Cooper. I, I, yeah. I like the left-right thing. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, genuinely, this is, this is going to be a very difficult game. And, and I think at this point, you'd... Um, like, do you think going back in, we go back to um, Ampadu and Gray in the middle? I think that we stick with Ampadu and Kamara because I think Gray's playing right back. Do you think? Do you think he comes in for Shackleton? I think he probably comes in for Shackleton. I think, based on what I've seen, even though he wasn't perfect, he's going to have uh, that Mavadidi running at him a lot. Hmm. And I think, just in terms of as a tackler. I think Gray's better than Shackleton. Yeah. Um, I don't think for a second... If he was going to bring Ailing back in, he'd have done it by now. So it's not happening. No. I'd, I'd, um, yeah, I'd, I think if I think if he was going to do that, especially Huddersfield would have been the game to do it. Yeah, so I, I think it'll be great right back. Um, My sort of bit of hope in this is how good we looked on the counter-attack. Because I think in this game, we're going to need to be good on the counter-attack. Against Huddersfield, if we'd have been shit on the counter-attack, we'd have still won it. It'd have just been one or two. Uh, whereas in this game, I think that's our best chance of getting something, is picking the ball up while they're attacking and attacking with numbers and picking out a good early pass that gives us time to run at people. Because of uh, Justin tucking in, they will always have men back. I doubt we're ever going to get like three on two, like we were against Huddersfield. I think they'll always have the men back. But if we can get 3v3, if it was, say, some of, some of the little James running at Justin Vestergaard and either Wootface or Connor Cody, probably Wootface, that 3v3, even though I think two of those three players for them are, are pretty good, I'd back us to create chances and score. So I think, I think it's yeah. going to be key. We need to... They need to have the wits about them. Just finding those passes in to force quick transitions in this game. Yeah, I think I think the I think you're right. The key is going to be, I think that first pass out of defence on the counter attack into, you know, the likes of and to be honest, it might be Peru again, and, and how quickly we we move it from that. Sort of yeah. almost holding midfield space into into your sort of counter attacking players, because um, we said against Huddersfield, you they had so much time in that space, you you were able to pick out these passes. Yeah. That's that's not going to be the case in here. You know, you look at those the central players that will be in that area. Um, I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but you've got Harry Winks in there as sort of their probably deeper lying midfielder. Yeah, he, he'll he'll be the midfielder that stays in, and Pereira will move from full back in alongside him. Yeah, I mean, Ricardo Pereira shouldn't be playing in the championship. <laughs> like, it's just I know he had, he had a bad injury, and that's probably the only reason why it's happened. But it just it's ridiculous. And no. it's not just them. Like, we've got some of them as well. Like, some of them shouldn't be playing in the championship. Rutter shouldn't be playing in the championship. Ampadu should not be playing in the championship. Yeah. It's that, that's what you need. We've said it before, haven't we? Going back years, like before we actually came up, you need if you want to get promoted, you need some Premier League players. And both of these teams have them. I just, I think looking through the squads, they've probably got slightly more. 
Yeah, they're a very scary looking team at the moment, aren't they? The hope, the hope I have for them is that they get a fantastic result in the FA Cup third round, and it completely puts them off for the <laughs> remainder of the season, and they yeah. drop what looks like an insurmountable lead to finish second somehow. Yeah, the, pro- uh, the problem, of course, now can I say is that if they did get go to Old Trafford in the FA Cup third round and won, everyone would go, "Yeah, sounds about right." <laughs> <laughs> um, like obviously, we've talked about them a lot. Kane and Jisby Hall as the most goal involvements in the entire league, I think, this season: five goals, six assists. Uh, he's got the second most chances created, second most big chances created, both of them behind Jorginho Rutter, whose stats are ridiculous. Did you see that one going round about the big chances? Which I think, if I remember rightly, is 0.3 xG or higher chances created. Yeah. And I think he had, I think he's got 14. And in Pablo's wonder season, he got 18. And the highest ever in the championship was Ryan Giles last season for Middlesbrough, who got hmm. 23 in a season. Like, yeah. he, he is doing ridiculous numbers. We're just not taking the chances. Uh, from a quick listen to a bit of the All Stats Out Way podcast earlier, um, Leicester have the best defence in terms of XG and the best in terms of actual goals, the best XG going forward and the joint most goals with Ipswich. Most possession in the... I think the second, actually, for possession in the league because Southampton will be first for that. Um, they are just a very good side. But the, the more... Two days ago, I really was going into this and I was thinking, oh, I think we'll get beaten this one, but it's not the end of the world. The more I think about the way the game's set up and stuff, the more chance I think we have. I still would... I'd, Leicester are favourites, don't get me wrong, but I, I feel a bit better about this game than I did before. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, it it probably comes down to how we stand up defensively and the quality of our passing coming out because we've gone from obviously the Huddersfield game where the passing was fantastic, but we were given all the time in the world to it, to do it. The, the Stoke game, we were, we were quite disappointing in possession and and turning the ball over quite frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, And and, and I just don't think Leicester will let us get away with, with, Losing possession as cheaply as we did, there, uh, you know, giving it away to, to quality players there. No, they they will press us like mad. Like I think this will be a big game for Strauk because I I really rate Strauk. I've, I've done for a long time, but he is a little bit susceptible to getting pressed, and he will get pressed like mad in this game. Yeah, but, hold, but that's the thing. If someone's pressing you really well, if you stand up to it well, that means that passes are there. You you cannot cover runners and press massively at the same time and not leave a pass open. It isn't doable, just maths wise. We uh I think he'll I think Strauk, Ampadu, Rutter, Somerville are like the four key men for us in this game. I think if all of them play well, we'll probably be okay. And for Leicester it's probably like Jewsbury Hall. If, because Vestergaard's probably their weak link defensively. Vestergaard, mm. and then like Ian Acho, and and probably Winks because of the way he'll tick them over and stuff when they have the ball. That's probably there for. Yeah. Um, it hasn't come up because it's not tactically as relevant. But Mads Hermanson looks like a good goalkeeper as well for them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's looking at him. It's probably a shame that that transfer didn't happen a year earlier for them. Yeah. Yeah, because that was a big factor, especially early last season, wasn't it? Yeah, obviously, um, I've forgotten who it was now who took it. Uh, it was Everson, wasn't it, that sort of took over second half of the season in goal for them, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, obviously, again, they, they lost big players, but they've they've invested well, um, retained a lot of quality. The, the fact Dewsbury Hall was still there, at the end of the transfer window, I was a bit. I mean, I'm so amazed because I believe that Alex picked Dewsbury Hall for like most one of the things for the whole league, most assists or something like that. And I sort of laughed when he did 
because I said there is no chance he will still be there come the end of this transfer window. Yeah, and, and, and you're looking at the position they're in now already. Unless someone comes across, comes over with a ludicrous amount of money for a player, they're not going to be selling anyone in January. Oh, no, it, I think he'll be... I don't even think he'll want to. No, because because you're going to get promoted at this and you're going to get a medal out of it. Yeah. You're going to get into the Premier League, but you're more likely to be in the Premier League guaranteed a start if you've just come up and had a great season with yeah. the club that you're at. They're going to have to, if Leicester were 10th and someone bid for him, yeah, we'd go. It's the same reason why I'm not particularly worried about bids for Rutter and Somerville in January. So long as we're in with a shout, I think we'll be able to keep until the end of the season. And then in the summer, if we don't go up, yeah, money probably comes in and we go. But if we were 12th and we got bids for him, they'd probably gone. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the position does help with this. I'd be amazed if if Ruter would even think about leaving in, in a January, given how last season went for him. The idea of like, well, I'm going to have to uproot again and potentially have to do this all over again. Um, no, I, I, I genuinely think for for those guys that a year in the championship is going to do them the world of good. You you look at how they're playing at the moment that that Ruter has, has very quickly gone from this um, this millstone around Leeds' neck of, you spent all this money, did you? Look at all the preparation that goes in and you're not even playing him. And it's, you know, Messi, Haaland, Ruter, top three. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like, it's, you know, you're just watching these players play with so much freedom and, and without the weight of expectation and pressure on them at the moment. Um, which, which is amazing considering the expectation overall is we should be going back up. Yeah. Like, well, speaking of pressure, you've taken us into this comment from Nick really well. I do think the pressure is on Leicester. They've won so many on the bounce. We're away from home. Been a bit up and down. So Leicester are the ones expected to win. There's no pressure on us, so we can win this. I think there's some truth to that. There's never no pressure on Leeds, except for like Man City away. There's never no pressure on Leeds. But the, I do agree that most of the pressure for this game is on Leicester. The problem is they have got such a lead that it's not a disaster if they get beat. There'd be loads of pressure on Leicester if they were six points ahead of third. But because it's like, what is it now, 14 or something? Yeah, 14 mm. points ahead of us. It's enough of a lead to take a little bit off, but there's still a lot more pressure on them than us. And uh, Michael Brown said this thing about Leicester managed to keep the core group of players that Leeds and Southampton had loads and loads of turnover, so they've hit the ground running a bit more. And you know, I think that that's fair. Um, like Leicester, they have had a squad turnover, but not as much as us. Like when I look at, if I look at their probable starting eleven. Keepers knew. James Justin was there, but was injured a lot. Vestergaard was there. Face was there. Pereira was there. Winks is new. Cassidy is new. Jusby Hall was there. Fatawu, Mafadidi are new. And Ian Acho. So, well, that's like six, seven. Yeah. Seven of 11 were there last season. Like, that's that's a pretty good retention. Yeah, um, and, and none of that, none of their stuff was being dragged out till the end of the transfer window either. It was yeah, all, they did do it early. You know, it was all done fairly, fairly timely. Um, you know, there there is a touch of jealousy when you see how they've, how well they've started. Yeah, well, um, everyone should be jealous of the way they've started. I, but it's not for the second tier, I don't believe. But definitely, since it became called the Championship, it's the best start anyone has ever had. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me if it's the best one since like 1930. Mm. <laughs> um, is there anything that you would check? Well, basically, I I expect it to be Melier, Gray, Roden, Strauk, Byron, Ampadu, Kamara, James and Somerville, Piro, Offrutter. Do you think it do you think it'll be anything different to that? Would you do anything different to that? Um, I, do, I, I am getting to the point where there is part of me thinking I don't want Archie Gray to get to become a right back. Mm. 
like we've already got Jamie Shackleton who's who's already made that conversion. Um but I, I don't know. I wasn't massively taken with, with Gray against Stoke mm. at, at right back. Um I, I, I suppose the, the, the trade-off between the two between the two of them is that you've got I think Gray is is probably is, is more physically imposing and, and is probably uh, has a better defensive ability. Mm. Obviously, with Shackleton, you, you get the pace, which as a fullback, I think in this game will be quite important. Mm. Um, and also, I think if you play Gray in central in central midfield, you've probably got two midfielders who play it a bit deeper than than Kamara likes to. Mm. Um, but you know, if you, you've got Kamara in there, it, it is another option for breaking out quickly. Yeah, I, the reason why I really fancy Kamara for that role, one, I think he's, I, I like the way that he breaks with the ball, but I also like the passes he tries to pick. If we're going to be on the counter a bit more, I think he'll probably. Guess I mean he's pass. It, in my head, I feel like he's more likely, he's slightly more likely to give the ball away than Gray, but the stats do not back that up. Hmm. Like his passing stats have been really good, really high. Uh, so I, I quite fancy Kamara, and I just think he'll, that because we're going to be off the ball a lot, I think he offers slightly more defensively. And just that bit of experience in there, I, I think is probably good for this game. Yeah. I would be so tempted not to play Perot in this game. I, I really would. It's the same as that Southampton game. I said it before that one as well. I just because I'm I'm worried that Leicester are going to have sixty odd percent of the ball, and then we're basically going to be defending with ten. All it means is basically if we do play below, which I think we will, we cannot properly press high. Yeah. Because if we do, if we do, they they are good enough. They will just play their way around, and suddenly you'll have five against five going that way and we'll be in trouble. I'd be tempted, but I, pro- I probably would leave Pillow in as well because you might only get two big chances and if he gets one of them, he'll probably take it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I'd, I, I, un- I understand why you would probably want to have someone like Bamford in there. Mm. Uh, and, I, and to be honest, oh, for... For a longer period of the game, I would be very interested to see how it works with with him and Ruter. I'll tell you what: uh, if Jed Spence was fit, that'd change things because then I'd probably put Gray at like ten or Kamara at ten, whichever way around they want to do it. Yeah, I'd probably play the three midfielders then if we had if Jed Spence was available to play right back. Mm. Uh, we can dream. We can only dream of Jed Spence. He'll play for us one day. And I know he has actually played, but yeah, he'll you know properly play. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd be very I'd be very surprised if there's outside of Shackleton and and Gray. I'd I'd be very surprised if there's more than one change to this team, other than injury permitting. Yeah, Christ, um... if, I, if Byron doesn't make it, I'm terrified. Yeah, I was just about to say the same because as much as I think Rodon might even be a slightly bigger miss, but at least if he don't play, I know what I'd do and I know what I think Fark will do. I think Fark will bring Cooper and I would bring in Cresswell. If Byron isn't fit, is it like grey right back, Shackleton left back? Yeah, probably. And that, as much as I like both those players, that doesn't seem like a great position to be in. No, he did. He has taught. I, th- I think it's probably been more when we've ended up with like three at the back that that Strauch has has played a bit wider. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I really wouldn't want us to be in that situation. Yeah, I'll put one last comment on before we get predictions. Like I was saying, if Leeds start the match against Leicester as they did against Norwich and Stoke, can't see anything. Yeah, that's true. I think that we need a good start. I mean, Leeds always need an early goal. Like we could be playing against Dog and Duck if we didn't get an early goal, we'd probably start panicking. But you can't afford a bad start against a team this good because if they get one early, suddenly you're chasing the game and they're good enough to pick you off. 
Um, predictions have... Well, Connie, as usual, hasn't got away from work and stuff in time. So I've gone Leeds as win, but is the shortest odds, which is a 2-1 win, because that's what he will end up. He will end up going for a win. I'll let him change that and put it on Twitter if he does. Uh, Alex has sent in 3-1 to Leicester. I have got two apiece. Can oh, I see? I had two apiece as well. Well. I mean, you have the right to change your mind, but if we're both going too old, then fair enough. No, yeah, I, I, I can't see two, two days ago, Two scoring. days ago, I had this as like 3-1. Two days ago, I had this at like 3-1 Leicester. But just us on the counter-attack looking that good has made me think that we're going to... I have no doubt that Leicester will score a couple, but I think we might as well. Yeah, you're sort of hoping it turns into one of those. I, in my head, I'm hoping this is going to be essentially five on five in each half. Of just that attack and defence, and there's not really much of a midfield the, in the way. The Man the, City uh, one all against game. Man City. <laughs> yeah, just, I have right, never seen a game like that. No midfield for either uh, team for about 25 minutes. And then what was it? Man, did Man City bring on one central midfielder and then dominated the game for like 20 minutes? <laughs> they, they bring on, um, uh, who was it now? Uh, did they bring on like Fernandinho or someone like that? Go, yeah, right, they just brought this, on this, is, this, is, this is stupid now. Because both teams were playing 5 not 5 <laughs> It was amazing. Um, but yeah, that will uh, that will do us. Obviously, it's on telly. This is probably going to be a pub job. Again, I'm. If we had this game, well, I mean, we I haven't looked up when the return fixture is. We will have this game back end of the season in all likelihood. But I'd be nervous about it back end of season. Because it's November, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I think that this has a chance of being a really good game. I mean, us and Ipswich was. Yeah. It, it's weird. I think because it was very early on, the, the Ipswich game doesn't feel like we were playing a team that were really actually competing to win the league at that point. Whereas now you look at the position they're in. Um, and you kind of can look look back at that and go, no, that was actually a, a brilliant result. Mm. Um, well, what is it? Is it, they've lost like one in <laughs> it's yeah, something I mean, like they've lost like three out of about fifty games or something, haven't they? It's like yeah, uh, we also we play Leicester at Ellen Road on the twenty fourth of February, and obviously oh, that but... and obviously that will change. That will be on TV. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that will do us then for episode 238 of the podcast. It'll be a very interesting game, this. Probably quite, I'd, I'd say I'm looking forward to it now, probably quite high stress once it kicks off. But uh, I am looking forward to it. Um, so, unless you vote to add, can you say? No, I think we're all good. Cool, nice one. Well, in that case, I've been Jack. See you. And Katie, have a good one.